Jack Hadley Black History Museum in Thomasville arguably is world famous at this point. We've got the man, Jack Hadley. He'll be with us along with Daniel Pittman, the executive director for this remarkable organization. Please do not miss that conversation. Many of those who've been inspired include Valerie Schoon, who as a documentarian, a filmmaker, was inspired when she visited this museum. And you're going to learn about her and her work in the second hour. Stay with me. Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny, brought to you by Widden Glass, Tallahassee's first name in glass for your home or office, and by Merry Maids. Call Merry Maids. Relax. And it's done. In 1945, Jack Whitten started a glass company in Tallahassee. Now over 75 years and three generations later, it's still working every day, doing just as Jack wanted, giving his customers real solutions for replacing window glass, providing custom-cut mirrors, and supplying superior bath and shower enclosures. Local building contractors know Whitten Glass takes care of Tallahassee business. They prefer Whitten because of their precision and mastery of eye-catching storefront glass and countertop glass. It's a fact. When you choose Wooden Glass, you're working with real glass people who will take care of you to your complete satisfaction. It's what Jack Wooden wanted, and it's been the Wooden way of doing business for over 75 years. Wooden Glass, Tallahassee's first family in glass since 1945. Call Wooden Glass today or visit them online at 222 5781 or wit Jack Hadley and Daniel Pittman with us today. It's a pleasure to be able to say this is an organization that has made its way in the world um, one step at a time with great uh, diligence. And it rests largely with this this man, Jack Hadley, who, uh, for his part, uh, just <laughs> doesn't know anything better than to just keep trying, doesn't seem to have any quit in him. And when you look at the magnitude of his his career, the United States Air Force, U.S. Postal Service, oh man, he has been an advocate uh, for... Um, the representation of black history long before he even ventured to put the black has uh, Jack Hadley Black History Museum on the map there in Thomasville. Just a marvelous individual and a person who I think as you begin to help him uh, unravel all of the parts and pieces to that story you find out man this is this is a lot back in 2013 um part of the congressional black caucus veterans brain trust award from the u.s or was granted this award <clears throat> from the u.s representatives kareen brown and sanford bishop members of congress uh 2014 received the Lifetime Achievement Award from Thomasville 
Thomas County Chamber of Commerce. Uh, 2017, the Georgia State Capitol House of Representatives presented with the House Resolution 235 that honored and commended James Jack Hadley and the Jack Hadley Black History Museum for its historical collection and preservation of local, state, and national African-American artifacts. Incredible. This goes on. Georgia Association of Museums and Galleries Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, In 2018, purchased the Imperial Hotel in Thomasville in collaboration with Thomasville Landmarks, the Williams Family Foundation of South Georgia. This is a hotel that was built in 1949 and is listed in the Green Book. Many of you saw the movie, which was a guide for black Americans in a segregated Jim Crow era whereby they could find restaurants and hotels and other establishments that were friendly to black Americans. Wow. You know, you you find yourself, at least I find myself, reading through a lot of this material, and it, it it's like it's like an a, an entirely different um, place in the world. It it it's it's so foreign to the way you and I have come to recognize what it means to be American, and of course, it's always always in debate but uh, I think we can thank God that for the couple of hundred years plus that we've been at it um, we found a way to push past ignorance and hatred and you know segregation and discrimination I suspect that uh, prejudice um, bigotry is a matter of attitude well I mean uh, I don't think the world will ever ever be rid of that there will always be people who think that a guy like me shouldn't be doing a job like this (laughs) and you know who you are Um, and I mean I'm not going to do anything to try to change your mind frankly if you just you know don't like the way I part my hair well God bless you you're entitled to believe what you believe, but you're not entitled to try to stop me from pursuing my own ambition and, and calling and or on behalf of my family, my kids. And you're going to hear that in this conversation, I think. Uh, we'll talk with Mr. Hadley and Mr. Pittman about their role in all of that, how it is that not only is this a testimony to black history particularly American black history or the history of black Americans it's a testimony to what it requires of any of us who want to do more than simply ride along you know accept the status quo or um, try to pretend that um, it didn't happen or try to try to convince ourselves there's there's nothing left to be achieved well yeah you're going to have yourself an interesting argument if you take that attitude with Jack Hadley 
and we're going to talk about this upcoming uh, event they have entitled Reimagine. It's a fundraiser, History with Threads of Unity, Community, and Togetherness. Um, so we'll get in talking about that as well. And their vision for the expansion of the museum, it's breathtaking. Um, all of this happened because this man who grew up at Pebble Hill Plantation, back when it was a working plantation, <clears throat> he was born and reared there, schooled there. Um He'll tell you a little bit of that of that history uh, as we get into the conversation, but you got to stop and think. This is a guy who came from those beginnings, uh, pursued his career in the United States Air Force, uh, served for better than 20, 25 years, I think, 27 years. Um, just took it upon himself to, to move himself further down the road, who found every way he could to do more, to do better. My friend, if, if that inspires you as it does me, well, we ought to be talking about that with our family, our friends. What more can we do with what we have to work with? And you and I are the last. We should be the last to say, well, we just can't do it. No, no. Talk to Jack Hadley about that. He'll set you straight. He served the United States Air Force uh, 56 to 84, 28 years. Retired as a Chief Master Sergeant. Um, it speaks to how it is that uh, we find ourselves oftentimes limiting our own success because we make presumptions about what we're capable of doing. Uh, you're going to find that with somebody like Daniel Pittman or Jack Hadley, sure, they're just like the rest of us, and they're going to have their second guessings and second thoughts. You know, maybe maybe this really isn't such a good idea, but not today. <laughs> not now, because they're fired up. They're moving forward. They've got some big plans that are good for all of us. They were good when uh, filmmaker Valerie Schoon visited the Jack Hadley Black History Museum so many years ago, and it inspired her to create a film called Daring Doctors. We're going to learn more about that in the second hour. So you got to stay with me. You're in tune with Tallahassee Talks. Jack Hadley is a native of Thomasville, Georgia, 10th child of 15 children, the late King Dennis and Rosetta James Hadley. He was born May 31st, 1936 on Pebble Hill Plantation, Thomasville, Georgia, Thomas County. Attended the Plantation Two-Room School and graduated in 1956 from Douglas High School a black school that was segregated from 1902 to 1970. Following high school, he served in the United States Air Force from 1956 to 1984. That's 28 years. And retried a chief master, retired, I should say, sorry, retired a chief master sergeant of the United States Air Force after traveling around the world with his family 
having been stationed at military bases abroad and in the United States. During that time, he and his family moved into 14 different homes. He worked the United States Postal Service in Thomasville from 85 to 97, 12 years there. Finally retired from the Postal Service in 97. Um, he's been married to Christine Jackson Headley for 65 years, parents of three adults, five grandchildren, and one great-granddaughter. Um, this is a formidable resume, and for the sake of our conversation at hand, I'm going to stop here because this could go on a while. This is a man who has achieved great things in his lifetime, and most notably this Jack Hadley Black History Museum. We have with us as well Daniel J. Pittman, currently serves as the executive director for this renowned Black History Museum. He's been with them for nearly five years. And uh, like our founding uh, member of the team, Mr. Hadley, uh, Daniel has played an integral role in advancing its mission to preserve and celebrate the rich history of African-Americans here and across uh, the world. So let's welcome our good friend, Jack Hadley, and our new friend, Daniel Pittman. Hi, guys. Good afternoon. How you doing? Good to have you with us. Good to have you with us, Daniel. Great to be here. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, Daniel, I want to start with you. Okay. Why are you doing this? Why did you decide five years ago to jump on this freight train? So a little bit about me. Um, I'm originally from Valdosta. Uh, that's actually where I met my wife, um, and she's originally from Thomasville. And I, my initial plan was to, uh, for undergrad, go for history because I just always loved history and eventually okay. go into law school. My wife um, one day sent me a job application for a museum assistant position at the Jack Hadley Black History Museum. And as one of the many students who actually toured the museum as uh, being in elementary and middle school, she told me just how incredible the Jack Hadley Black History Museum was. So she had personal experience. Yes. I got you. And so I just put my job application in there. And what just initially was... You know, me trying to find a job in the field turned into a passion. Um, when you hear about the story of how the museum got started, mm. when you hear, when you actually are there interacting with the thousands of guests who come through the door every day, it's it's hard not to be overwhelmed by just so many feelings of wanting to share history, wanting to preserve the culture and the stories that we have within our walls. So it really turned into a passion. Uh, from there, I uh, was, was promoted to museum educator, and I really got hands-on with educating local students who come to the museum. Uh, for February alone, we get about three or 4,000 local students. And just being able to help uh, inspire a, a love for, for black history with those students wow. just meant so much to me. Uh, and and from there just continued and just really fell in love with the organization. What do you love most about it? Really the guest interaction, just being able to have people walk through our door. The museum, if you've never been before, we have about 5,000 artifacts on our walls. Uh, It's very uh, unconventional when you walk through the door because it's just 
it's just a, a collage of so many different faces, so many different artifacts that when you walk in, for some people it might be a little overwhelming and they might expect to only spend 30 minutes in there and they end up spending four or five hours wow. just being engrossed by just the amount of history that we have on our yes. walls. So being able to be there for people and being able to share some of the history or being able to point out a few different pieces, it just it means, it means a lot to me because you really can see people inspired by Mr. Hadley and how this collection got started. Indeed, and we're going to get into this those details jack you've been a guest before and uh by the way good to see you, you look even better than last time i saw you thank you for that you know right yeah yeah i'm doing everything you're I taking can. all your vitamins and doing yeah man yep <laughs> vitamins and you better than i do <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure I keep my appointments Good for you. Yeah, right. keeping appointments is a big yeah. deal when we get to be in our latter years. Yes, yes. Um, it, it, so for those who are new to this conversation with you, uh, tell us a little bit about how this was inspired. How did the museum get started? I know it's it's a lengthy history, and it really goes back to your personal curiosity, I guess, right? Well, you know, I, I don't know how much time we have here this, this afternoon. Hours. Hours, yeah. <laughs> We uh, it started from as a school project, and uh, being in the military, went in '56 as you mentioned early, and uh, and retired in, in 1984 after serving 28 years in the Air Force. My family and I we traveled the world, you know, went to Spain, Germany, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Vietnam, uh, we were Taiwan, Taipei, and uh, then several crisscrossed the United States several times, uh, going to. California twice and going to Florida twice and Massachusetts, yeah. Cheyenne, Wyoming. So, but back to when it got started, it, what what inspired me was that back in Germany, back in 1979, mm. uh, you know, over there, we, my kids went to the Department of Defense School, okay. and uh, the school was, you know, ran by that, that, that department. And Jim came home one day, and as a junior in high school, said, Dad, you know, this is Black History Week, and the teachers don't seem to be concerned about it. There's no interest. And uh, I could have easily, easily told my son, boy, get on outside and go play. Yeah. But that did not happen that day. It, it uh, evidently uh, it touched me in a way that I went immediately got Ebony Jet magazines. When you're overseas in long-term tour, you subscribe sure. to Ebony Magazine, Jet Magazine, the Pittsburgh Courier paper, and Essence magazine in order to... Uh, know what's going on back in the world. We call it back in the States. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we, we, I took articles and we cut them out. And we made, some, we made about six or seven exhibits. Uh, I guess the page is about 36 by 36 by 20, whatever the size yeah. the sheet was. Sure. And Jim took it to school and uh, the teachers liked it. So a couple of days later, Jim came back and said, Dad, you know what? They moved all the trophies out of the trophy case and put my exhibit in the trophy Look case. Look at that. So the kids can sort of, you know. And this know, was uh, at the high school there? The junior in, high, in, high school, yes. Uh -huh. In Germany? In Germany, Germany yeah. yeah, yeah yep. I was at Wiesbaden and Lindsay Island Station. And then on top of that, he said, I said, Jim, just recent years, I asked Jim, why'd you do that? He said, because I wanted I wanted my white friends to know about black history. Yeah. We teach white history every day in school. Yeah. And so that was his that was his focus behind it. And so Jim now is sixty one years old. Sure. And uh, so but that 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 started the whole package for putting this together and, and then I left they did then we did an exhibit on the base. My I asked my commander after I saw what was going on, he said, Yeah, Jack, go ahead and gather the young people together. And uh, you, you guys do an exhibit in Black History Week at the time. I was in a first combat communication squadron, and 
and our job was to fly into North Africa or either Middle East or wherever there was a remote location need to be set up. Right. Well, the communication squad would go in first, and then the base come in later. But at uh-huh. the meantime, then the young people go there. There was not too much restriction on where you can go off base, stuff like that, because you only got your TDY people there. And uh, they would go around town to buy artifacts from Africa, North Africa, wow. different wow. places. Cool. So we had all that to put together. And it just mushroomed from that piece until uh, I retired in 84, came back to Thomasville, Georgia. And uh, here for my wife and my kids, they were small, but my wife, uh, we did our first exhibit at my church, Providence Mission Baptist Church here wow. in Thomasville, Georgia. Yeah. Wow. And so for those of you who are, are just now kind of piecing all that together, mm-hmm. think about how, in f- fact, this was a very personal Beginning, it was something that Jack, you, you and your son experienced firsthand. But so oftentimes in life, it's those early personal experiences that really encourage us then to go further. Which I think is exactly what's happened. We're talking with Jack Hadley, Daniel Pittman, all about the Jack Hadley History Museum. Stay with me. Hi, I'm Josh, and this is an ad for Super Signs. We were going to do an ad that was funny or maybe really dramatic. You know, something clever. But that just didn't work. So, I'm just going to tell you, Super Signs is great. I mean, they're really great. And it's not just me saying it. Lots of people posting and talking to their friends. Here's one. We are so happy with all our signs and banners by Super Signs. Highly recommend. Here's another. These guys are awesome. They run their business with great quality and service. Our lighted sign looks fantastic. I can't rave enough. Super Signs does the really big stuff, like outdoor lighted signs, vehicle wraps, wall murals, and all the banners, the yard signs, and indoor signs, too. So for your business or your birthday party, Super Signs is your sign company. So that's it. That's our ad. Super Signs is great. I mean, really, really, really great. You should call them, 422-1883, or go to their website, yoursupersigns.com. How's that for clever? We're back. We're talking with Jack Hadley, Black History Museum there in Thomasville, and the executive director, our new friend, Famous man that he is, Daniel Pittman. We're going to say you're famous now because you're on our show. So now, you know, 30,000 people have just been introduced to you beyond all those many who have found you there at the museum steadily working as uh, as an educator and such. When you think about the current scene and the impact that the museum is having, Daniel, you talked about how for people who come to the museum personally experience for the first time, they talk about the, 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 the magnitude of the collection itself. What did you say? Over 5,000 mm-hmm. items that are for everybody to see. If we take that a little bit further out in terms of its impact in the community, in the region, do you have a sense of that? Are there, do there, does there seem to be some, I guess we'd call it traction with other organizations or people at large? 
I would I would definitely say so. So something that we all experienced was COVID. And of mm. course, during COVID, one of the things that we couldn't do, unfortunately, was have guests come into the museum. We were shut down for a period. And so one of the things that when I was in, uh, in my role of museum educator, um, we really started focusing on was starting digitalization of some of the museum's collection so that schools can start to utilize our collection. But safely at a distance. And so we, we digitized about 500 pieces and we heard back from schools all across the country who wow. used some of our pieces online. Uh, another thing that um, came from the digitalization of those artifacts was what uh, I call Museum in a Box, which fe- uh, features about uh, 100, 150 photos, labels, uh, activities that um, teachers can utilize within their classrooms. We had a call from California who wanted to get an authentic experience of the black experience in, in a southern town, want to use that as a resource in their wow. classroom. And so the museum and what Mr. Hadley has has really created, the legacy has has really, first off, the, the community is so supportive of Mr. Hadley. Hmm. Um, when you go back through his history um, from the time that he was a mail carrier from present day, people, he, you, you talked about me being famous, but Mr. Hadley really <laughs> is famous in, in Thomasville. Uh, and so people have just really been inspired by his story, how the museum got started. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it in a little bit, but, you know, we have amb- uh, ambitious plans for the future. Yes. And the community has been 100% backing what our plans are to make sure that Mr. Hadley and his story will be able to be here for all future generations. You know, it's interesting you say the the uh, future plans. I remember when the Imperial Hotel was one of those ambitions, one of those future plans, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Man Alive, you, you made it happen. Uh, for those who don't know the about the Imperial Hotel, give us a quick summation there. Well, uh, the Imperial Hotel, let me go back a few years. Back in 1936 or 37, Victor Green, uh, he recognized that blacks, he was a guy from Bronx, New York, Brooklyn, New York, in the, the Bronx, and uh, that uh, blacks would have a tough time finding a place to live uh, stop by or be, and you know be relaxed. So right. he started out. You know they start making. He contact other uh, letter carrier. He was a letter carrier, and uh, they throughout the country and asked them what what facility there in your community that that uh, that banks could stay in when they travel without having to be harassed or anything. Uh, barber shops or a beauty shop or a grocery store, any place, restaurant, and all that. So he put together this booklet. And uh, we were surprised that he even reached out as far as Thomasville, Georgia, uh. and there the period hotel is listed in this green book. And it was a it was a hotel that that was served black owners from 1949 to 1969, and uh, that we all had to patriot. And so we we went there, and and uh, because you could not go to any other hotels, I, you know, I won't call the name of the hotels and different ones, but. Yeah. But we could not go to the White Hotel. I put it out of the way. Yeah. And even traveling myself. But I, not, I was not aware of all of this about the Green Book Hotel until a lady walked. When we bought the Imperial Hotel back yes. in, 19, in 2018, 2018 yes. and uh, a lady walked in there, a white lady walked in the office, and I was not there. She said, tell me, here's this little book. Uh, his, his hotel is in the Green Book Hotel. In the Green Book. Uh. And I had no idea about that. Even though in the military, there was an article, the Postal Service came out with an article, huh. maybe about a year before then, about Victor about Green. Victor Green. And uh, yeah. about what he had accomplished in being Green a postman. <laughs> but I had I didn't put two and two together until that happened. Right. And I wish today, I wish I knew who that young lady was. Uh, you know, but uh, 
And that's what opened our eyes up. Incredible. And then usually when I, I stop here because so much has happened and, and mm. I try to, uh, to get Daniels involved with all mm-hmm. this. And so mm-hmm. he's the expert on carrying us forward with the, about the Imperial Hotel. All right, you're up, Daniel. What's the <laughs> okay. next What's the next sentence? So um, I mentioned a little bit about COVID before, but the initial plans for the Imperial Hotel was on the bottom floor being rotating museum exhibits and then the top floor being four Airbnbs that families can rent out and have an authentic experience. Wow. Uh, the current museum facility is at the Douglas Complex. Yes. It's kind of a destination spot, but the Imperial Hotel and a neighboring shotgun house, which we both own those two structures, uh, it's right on West Jackson Street, one of the main roads yeah, man. coming into Thomasville. So that was our initial plan, and then COVID happened, slowed everything down, but yep. it was a, be- a blessing in disguise because we were able to get in contact with Nancy Tinker. Uh, she was previously the executive director of Thomasville Landmarks. She left, did great things with her career, yes. and right in 2020 or 2021 came back to Thomasville to take up her old role. Yes. Um, through her career, she was able to get in contact with uh, Mr. Rob Bull and more specifically the Compass Group. It's a major fundraising uh, and consulting firm out of the uh, Baltimore, D.C. area. Uh-huh. And uh, we invited him down to take a look at the Imperial Hotel. And from there, new plans really started to come together, which is what we're currently calling the Jack Hadley Yards. Um, Our current museum facility is about 5,600 square feet, uh, of course, on the Douglas campus, like I mentioned earlier. We are uh, actively reaching out to sponsors and um, uh, different prospects to raise funds to build a 10,000 square foot museum next to the Imperial Hotel and Shotgun House. Uh, the Imperial Hotel, it's going to be uh, restored back to what it looked like back in 1949. We just finished up a historic structures report on the Imperial Hotel and also the Shotgun House. So really great research Isn't came out that of that. Wow. And uh, the new museum is going to be something very special to Thomasville. Um, process has already came, uh, came along very well. But, uh, um, you know, uh, as you probably picked up from now, I have so much respect for Mr. Hadley. And one of the pieces that I'm, I'm very excited about is uh, there's a very prominent African-American sculptorist by the name of Eddie Dixon. He uh-huh. has his work across national monuments all across the country, has his work in the Pentagon. He's actually agreed to do a statue of Mr. Hadley, oh, eight my feet goodness. tall, with two children on each side <laughs> of him. That's going to stand at the heart of the new museum. And uh, the way that the designs are looking right now is when you're traveling on West Jackson Street, as you during the day, as you travel through, there's going to be a light well that's going to illuminate on Mr. Hadley. But then on nighttime, it's going to shine up through. So the new museum will truly be a a beacon in Thomasville. Isn't this amazing, Jack? I mean, my brother, you you have uh, labored long in this effort, and I I try to put put in perspective all the many ways in which you have served other people in all the career opportunities you've had, notably the Air Force letter carrier, uh, father, uh, husband, grandfather. When you sit here today and you think back, is it, is it difficult to realize the, the number of years that have passed and the places you've been? I mean, it's immense. You know, uh, we have a good grant writer. Uh. Melanie Marn uh, has been writing grants for us. And she works for Thomas University. She lives in Tallahassee, Florida. Been working for Thomas University about 25, pretty close 25, over 25 years. Uh-huh. Well, she's been writing us grants for that length of time as well. Goodness. And because of her grant writing skills, we have been able to, we was able to in 21 to receive a grant uh, 
for over $241,000 matching grant to hire mm-hmm. executive director Daniel Pittman. Mm-hmm. And all this came to, to the light when I realized that now I can sort of sit back <laughs> and chill out. Uh, I can go to bed every night and sleep good at night because I know I have a, we have selected a young man that's going to keep uh, carry the mu- museum forward. I feel good. I feel very good because uh, being eight or seven years old, and uh, it's got to come a time that I got to lay all the side, lay the side. Mm. A lot of people say, "How can you give up all of this?" Mm. I say, "Hey, mm. uh, I, I, it, God has blessed me Amen. to be where I'm at today. Sure He's enough. blessed us to be able to get funders, to don- donors yes. to work with." He blessed me to get a job at the post office that I got mm-hmm. to learn a lot, a lot of people in Thomasville mm-hmm. that some of those people support the museum today. Mm-hmm. And like I tell my guests, I don't tip my hat like my dad used to do mm-hmm. back in the day. <clears throat> you know, he see a white mm-hmm. person, he mm-hmm. would tip his hat. Well, I, I buy my head and shake the hand and say, thank you. Mm-hmm. And I learned that being a postman, walking in the stores down for 12 years downtown on, on Broad Street in Thomasville, mm-hmm. delivering mail. Mm-hmm. I, learned, I learned some very important people and they're working with us today. So I feel good because, again, the bottom line that I sleep good at night because I don't get all the phone calls no more <laughs> and, and I don't get all the emails. No pressure, Daniel. Just <laughs> wanted you to know. <laughs> Folks, we've got a couple of very, very interesting guests today. Daniel Pittman, Executive Director for the Jack Hadley Museum in Thomasville, and the one and only... Mr. Jack Hadley, stay with us. We've got a little bit more time with these guys before we have to say goodbye. We'll be right back. We're back. We're talking with Jack Hadley, Daniel Pittman, Jack Hadley Museum. I think what a, what what impresses me is is this human spirit, this determination in the face of adversity, and Daniel mentioned a couple of times all that we've had to go through in the last two, three years because of COVID. And in the course of doing so, you, you've got this museum in a box, which I guess a, an educator could order from you and you ship it out to them. Is that how that works? Or Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that see, in and of itself, I mean, would you have thought of that except, hey, we're confined here, so we've mm-hmm. got to find other avenues and it's it's amazing to me too, Jack, that in the history of the world, certainly in the history of our civilization, the Western world, how much tragedy we've incurred, how much heartbreak we've endured, but yet people overcome. They push beyond and find another way that's even expansive, right? It pushes us out into things that you hadn't thought about. When somebody handed you that green book and said, hey, do you know the Imperial Hotel is in there? Never occurred to you that that might be the path that would be part of this whole enterprise. And now you've got Daniel helping you carry water. What have you not done that's that's still kind of gnawing at you, still part of the, I wish we could get this part done? Well, you know, before I get to that, I need to give, you know, my wife and I, Christine Jackson, yes. had a, we've been married six, six years next week. On the 66 18th, yeah, the 18th years. Yeah, 18th of uh, uh, October, we've been six, six years. We got three, 60 years, okay. 66, yeah. And yeah. Uh, my, uh, my my daughters, my Kathy Hatley, the oldest one, and Jim, Jim, and then Jackie, 
they are under this reorganization we accomplished here recently. Uh, since Daniel been there, their board members, uh, my youngest daughter Jackie, she's the president. They have been a pillar for me. They have been able to really uh, help us move forward with the museum, and and keep it with, with, within the family. And and again, yeah. um, in my life, I guess I take it from my dad. He was satisfied even working at Pepia Plantation for fifty three years. Well, I've been satisfied with with my twenty years in the Air Force, and then coming back for the past 40 years dealing with the museum. Wow. But there's a time that you have to give a lot of this up. And I have accepted that fact yeah. that uh, God has blessed me again sure. to be where we at. And so I'm, I'm just not ready to walk away from uh, it, but I'm ready to relax and know that I can wake if, up in the morning. If Christine has been with you 66 years, that, that in and of itself deserves a statue. I don't know, maybe we could <laughs> have someone con- construct a, a, a tribute to her uh, tenacity and 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 uh, her determination. Mm-hmm. Um, congratulations, by the way, on sixty six years. If you were uh, so, if you were to say there's there's more to be done that you can envision, what I'm hearing is that that's being directed now to this next generation, particularly Daniel, and and to see how that plays out. I mean, are, what are what's left on the list of things to do? I guess. Well. I'm gonna let Daniel speak of that. Yeah. What, what it is, as part of being emerics, I never heard of the word until they told me one day. So you, you emerics now, you, you transition. Never heard of the word transition in this respect. Transition. I said, what do you mean by transition? Well, transition means that you you stay here until he's pretty well. You feel comfortable that he's ready to take okay. and take the ball and run with yeah, it. Yeah. So, um, I'm transitioning everything over to him, and I, and I'm not really. I don't really. He got his hands full with, with right. the things that we need to accomplish between 9 and 2026 20, it's when they plan the grand open but I always uh-huh. let him take it and run with them because yeah. he is the, he is the he is the guy that's really pushing on to the next level all right and I'm just as for advisor so I'd give it all up to him well we've already heard of some of the things that are on the drafting board now mm-hmm. what else we got? So uh, I do want to go back to it for a second because Mr. Adley did mention 2026. Right yeah. now our campaign timeline is to open up the new museum in 2026. Okay. And uh, That's around the corner. Yes, just around the corner. In fundraising terms. Yes. That's uh, tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah. But every, everything so far has been going very well, very successful. And uh, we, we chose the 2026 date for a special reason. Uh, in May of that year, Mr. Adley will be turning, uh, turning 90 years old. Uh-huh. And so wanting to make sure he gets a really nice uh, – a birthday present. Oh, but, very uh, good. But, very good. Um, so yeah. that's right now the biggest thing that we're working on is to make sure that, you know, the museum will be here for future generations. This story mm. is something that transcends all ages, races, generations. Indeed. And so making sure that this story will be available, knowing that Mr. Hadley's love for his son started what became such a big sensation in Thomasville and continuing that is, is something that's always going to be there whether we're in the new museum or where, whether we're 15, 20 years down the road making sure that that story is alive Indeed. and celebrating black history. You know, you notice what he said there, Jack. The love of the father for the son. Yeah. I mean, I'll let everyone fill in the blank there, but uh, that's inspiring yeah. by itself. And with that, I want to point to something you mentioned, fundraising. You guys have this great event coming up that uh, you've entitled Reimagine. And this is all going on 
coming up here in November, but let's let's talk about the need to get your tickets now because I have a suspicion this thing's going to sell out fast. November 4th, 6.30, uh, tickets go on sale. They're on sale now, I should say. And this is uh, reimagined, so we want to save that date. And uh, the subtext is, history with threads of unity, community, and togetherness, including this uh, rather impressive group of folks that are coming as part of the evening's activities, right? So uh, let's see. We have, ah, very good. I have, a, I have my, my, my uh, executive staff handing me materials here that'll help me get through this. Um, but what's the name of the group, uh, Daniel, that you have coming in? The, the uh, Shouters, I guess they're called. Yep. So real quick, just kind of explaining the theme of the event. Um, yes. Reimagine history with threads of unity and community and togetherness. Um, we're really going with kind of a quilting theme because ah. we really like the symbolism of how a quilt takes smaller pieces, bringing yeah. them together. And the story of the museum is how this community, different parts of the community, uh, locally, regionally, and nationally have came together to really support this this incredible organization. So that's that's where we got the theme from. We're very excited about the featured um, entertainers for the evening. That's the McIntosh County Shouters. They're out of uh, coastal Georgia. They yeah. have been on uh, stages all across the world. They performed at the National Museum of African American History and Culture in D.C., Carnegie Hall, the JFK uh, Center for Performing Arts, and uh, we're very excited that this November 4th they're going to be with us at uh, Receptions for You in Thomasville, Georgia, at our uh, uh, annual gala. That's amazing. And you know what I love about McIntosh County Shouters? They are themselves a living testimony to black history mm-hmm. in this country. <clears throat> And, and we find so many off, so many times we see representations of dance and drumming and such that give us uh, another layer of history. But this is our history. This is what we've all been able to participate in. And so these folks bring to us what that felt like when that was happening 100 years ago or mm-hmm. better, right? Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Um, so again, this is coming up uh, November 4th, 6.30, and uh, where, where is this going to be held? It's going to be hosted at Receptions for You, which is uh, uh, 1200 West Jackson Street here in Thomasville, I will say. We're uh, very close to selling out, so if you're interested, definitely uh, either call the museum or uh, um, reach out to us, and we'll make sure that you get your, your tickets for the event. All right. Well, and uh, for your sake, folks, uh, it's simple enough if you want to call that number, 229 229- Two two six fifty twenty nine. I guess the best way to go online would be to go to the uh, uh, website for the museum. Mm-hmm. Is that a good spot? Okay, so we want to go to Jack Hadley Black History Museum dot com. Should be enough. Even <laughs> I can remember that. Jack Hadley Black History Museum dot com. Our guest today, the one and only Jack Hadley, soon to be recognized with this wonderful statue of his likeness. I'm sure it can't even get close to how magnificent you are. But we look forward to that happening and this great gala reimagine uh, as a fundraiser for the museum, courtesy of all the very fine work being done and being held in check with the leadership that uh, our friend Daniel Pittman has brought to this whole effort. Daniel, God bless you for all that you're doing there. And Jack, 
just keep on being beautiful and uh, everything's going to be just fine. Thank you, Ben. Yes, ben, sir. Thank you. Thank you for giving this opportunity to be able to come and share. <laughs> a pleasure. Thank you so much. As, and uh, my best to your wife and uh, congratulations on 66 years. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yes. All right, my Shoot. friends. <clears throat> Folks, you stay with me. I've got more coming up in the second hour of Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny. Widden Glass has been taking care of business since 1945. When you call Widden Glass, you're dealing with experienced, reliable professionals who offer only the best. Like Widden's top-of-the-line bath enclosures that provide style and luxury at an affordable price. Eye-catching storefronts are a specialty at Widden Glass. We'll help you design it and install it. Widden Glass, the first name in glass replacement. Call 222-5781. You'll find us online all the time at TallahasseeTalks.com. On demand, if you miss one of our many, many broadcasts, uh, 12 years and running, well, you can always go to TallahasseeTalks.com, and then uh, you'll find the more recent uh, episodes, editions of, listed there for you among some of them uh, are favorites and some that are uh, noted for their inspirational tone um you can always search if you do a search for a given a given topic or a person it'll pop it up there for you just because we love you as is true of today's broadcast it'll be available to you uh following our broadcast uh, on saturday morning which occurs on moose at 9 o'clock, every Saturday morning at 9, moosemagnificat.com, streaming all of the good that is Tallahassee's music scene, local musicians playing their original songs all the time, along with shows like this one, and our uh, broadcast of the Bradfordville Blues Club, when they are in session, we're there Friday nights over there at the Legion. They call it BBC at the Legion now. And Danny Bedrosian's broadcast, Danny on Everything. Pleasure to bring all that to you, courtesy of Moose Magnificat. Should also mention that if you're an early riser, as many of us are, uh, 7 o'clock, bright and early, I know Greg is there. Hey, Greg. Enjoying his grassroots coffee. Yes, sir. Well, uh, 7 o'clock. At 93.3 FM in Tallahassee, Real Talk. That's uh, courtesy of John Jopling and all the very fine boys and girls that make that possible for us. Appreciate them. So you got all kinds of ways that you can be a part of this broadcast. Maybe you subscribe to the podcast version of, so whatever your podcast app may be, you can do a search for Tell I see talks and you're in. Doesn't cost you a penny. Just for your good good kindness, for your good goodness, for your well being. It's there for you. And so in the second hour today, we're gonna have more of that goodness with our friend Valerie Schoon. Uh, this is actually a conversation we had some time ago with her when we discovered this remarkable film hidden history that talks about 
Leon County's agricultural agrarian economy and the slave-based labor uh, that made that all possible. And it was rooted in um, the structure that was well beyond just the, let's say, economics of the region, but into the um, social fabric, the, the way in which we conceive of one another the way in which we relate to one another, how we identify um, individual value as well as collective value. Well, so it is that Leon County had to push past its slave-based history, and this film, Hidden History, is an expose, I suppose you'd say. It's certainly a documentary that Valerie brought to life, brought to the fore, by way of her work with uh, Florida State University uh, Film School over there. And you're going to find in this conversation with Valerie some of the connectedness that she discovered by way of none other than the Jack Hadley Black History Museum. (laughs) So if um, if you were paying attention... You know that in this first hour of the show, here we have Jack Hadley, Daniel Pittman, telling us what's going on with, yeah, Jack Hadley Black History Museum in Thomasville. Well, Valerie will tell you that she had been here as a resident faculty member and resident of Tallahassee for some time and begin to, you know, look around and made her way to Thomasville on one occasion and walked into the museum there and looking at all of the artifacts, all of the exhibits that are part of that remarkable collection, thousands and thousands of pieces. Among them, this photograph. And the photograph of a group of physicians, early 1900s, if I recall, Notably, women, a group of women physicians pictured here for all to see. And Valerie was puzzled by this. First of all, that there were women who were doctors in that era, early 1900s now, come on. And among these women, one of them was black. What? How did that happen? So she is fascinated with the fact that we have historical record of the, of this truth. We have this demonstration of uh, resolve um, presented to you in photographic fashion. How is it that not only are women able to go past whatever ceiling they had to break through? How is it that among them, this one woman um, was able to pursue, pursue her own personal ambition and break through whatever barriers there uh, she found because of her race, her color? Yeah. And so then Valerie comes back home and says, 
wow, I need to know more about this, begins to pursue her study of such things for that period of time, for that era. And in making more and more discovery, she is inspired to take on her next project. And being the you know, documentarian that she is, filmmaker and such, she created another installment in her ongoing pursuit of history and called it Daring Doctors. If you uh, want to go look for that, simple enough, just do a search for Valerie Schoon and you'll find the uh, website. Uh, it's the IMDB website. And here's a listing of her, her various works, including Daring Doctor and uh, Hidden History. So all of this today, uh, a sort of a, I suppose, a kind of uh, recognition of how much has been achieved, how much we have pushed past social barriers, how much more we can do to encourage uh, those around us to pursue their own ambitions and to encourage ourselves to say, you know what, why not? Why not me? How can I apply better the things that I've been entrusted with, the talents, the ideas, the friendships, the connections, whatever you find? None of us have any money. <laughs> so that is always the right the precondition i mean even valerie will talk with us about okay here's how this works you have an idea you find somebody who can help you you know formalize that idea now you've got your plan and now you got to go shop that uh market for funding <clears throat> you got to pitch it well i mean so it goes and for those who um, are particularly gifted in that way, you got to hear from Jack Hadley earlier. Well, they're fortunate in that there's among their very talented team of folks uh, a woman who is expert at writing grants, grant applications and such. And there are many granting organizations around the country, around the world. So there are resources available to us. The question remains... What will we do with the opportunities that we do have and with the talents we've been given? Folks, there are four ways to shine in life and Merry Maids has it all going on. Experience, reliability, thoroughness, and professionalism. Well, that's why we rely on Merry Maids right here at our studios because, you know, I do need a little shine from time to time. And my friends at Merry Maids can make it happen with guaranteed satisfaction, screened and trained employees, bonded and insured performance, even a free consultation. Merry Maids can customize cleanings to fit most budgets and fit your busy schedule with cleanings on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, or an on-call basis. Merry Maids will deep clean your home on that first visit, something that you've probably been wanting to do, but you don't have to. Call Merry Maids, relax, and it's clean. Right here in Tallahassee, call 386-2205 or find them online at merrymaids.com. That's 386-2205. Hi, I'm Melissa Bruner, and you're listening to Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny. 
Valerie Schoon is an award-winning producer and filmmaker. In 2021, she produced The Invisible History, Middle Florida's Hidden Roots, which received the Suncoast Regional Emmy Award and was broadcast nationally with American Public Television in 2021. A week ago, Friday night, uh, it was shown at Cascades Park. City of Tallahassee stepped up and said, we're going to provide this free of charge to the public. And so there were a number of folks that turned out on that occasion. Uh, Miss Schoon, for her part, is also the producer of Daring Woman Doctors, Physicians in the 19th Century, which also aired nationally on PBS. Now, prior to this, Miss Schoon produced the documentary Granada, Colonialism and Conflict, which was broadcast in Granada and has been invited to screen in New York, L.A., Philadelphia, as well as other countries, Africa, and throughout the Caribbean. She is our guest today, and it is a pleasure to welcome Valerie Schoon. How are you, my friend? Looking well, thank you. You're looking well. Love the hat. Thank you. Very sporty. Um, How did last Friday night go? Uh, You had this showing there at Cascades Park. Great weather was it was it was great weather and i thought it went well i mean it was nice to see it on a on a really large screen and um and outside that was different too and um i mean cascades is like a great a great park and in terms of attendance um i thought it was good i thought you know um i don't know what the numbers are but there were definitely people in the chairs and people on the um on the grass as well yeah and um I did not notice people leaving in the middle, so I think that's probably a good sign. Right. As a producer, this is a good thing, right? When people are not getting up and walking. It, it happens that this film um, is really very – and I have had a ch- I've had a chance to, to now uh, view it uh, several times. But it, it really stands on its own without any other sort of argument before, after – from on one side or the other, I would encourage people simply to view it for for what it is. When you made the film, tell us about why. Well, I um, am not from Tallahassee. I moved here about 2003, but now I guess I am from Tallahassee. It's been a long time, or at least I live here, you know. Um, You're feeling more of the residency. Yes, huh? yes, yes. yes. Um, Glad to have you, by the way. Raising my family here, yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, um, but I'm not really familiar with the history, you know, uh. and so, but I am interested in history. And um, when I came across one of the um, enslaved graveyards in Tallahassee, Mostly I just thought um, that maybe there was a singular plantation or two, and I thought maybe I'll research it um, in the summer. Uh. And so I started looking looking it up and realized when I started researching it that um, actually, I didn't really understand this at the time, but that all of this sort of, like, they used to call it middle Florida, but sort of northern Florida was, um, you know, the cotton belt. And I thought, oh, how did I not know this? I've lived here for a long uh-huh. time. And so it became sort of a, a journey. So basically I started reading some of the books and um, chapters that have been written some, by some of the professors who live in, and work in Tallahassee. So Larry Rivers at Florida A&M right. has written several books on on um, slavery in Northern Florida and, um, you know, consulted other historians and came to, and, and read the work and came to understand the history. And I thought, wow, I should learn more about this. And because I'm a filmmaker, 
Mm. I decided to put my sort of journey on film. You know, so my, my journey of discovery. Your I mean, own personal. I'm not in yeah, the film, but, yeah. you know, but the idea that I'm um, asking these historians um, or uh, other community members about the history that they knew that I didn't know. Mostly, I think I didn't understand um, that there were 9,000 or so enslaved people who lived and died in, you know, Leon County, you know, when it was oh. coming to be. So, um, so I, that was part of my inspiration too, to sort of make sure that they weren't, you know, forgotten, you know, to sort of like have them be spoken about in this documentary. Hmm. Um, so that was something I discovered, I think an extension of what I discovered too, it's not necessarily in the documentary, but I don't, I, but I came to realize that part of my lack of information extends, of course, you know, earlier than 1830, you know, so the documentary mm. starts in 18, around 1830, and that's when sort of Tallahassee, or 1821, mm-hmm, I suppose, mm-hmm. Tallahassee was sort of established um, uh, by, um, well, by the entities, of, you know, by the people. Francis Epps and yeah. such, yeah. Um, but prior to that, you know, there's, you know, hundreds of years of history, thousands of years, of course, before Florida, or right. you know, maybe even more. Right. But but even a couple of hundred years that are really significant, too. And so I, I realized that in general, my knowledge of, of Florida history was a bit sh- was shallow. Right. You'd have to ask the question. OK, so if Tallahassee proper started 1821, again, Francis Epps, the first mayor. What happened a hundred years prior to that? Right, and, that, and th- I think the tr- the challenge, even though I think it's really important to look at, you know, the history of the Native Americans, the Seminoles, and all of what happened, um, the British and the Napoleonic Wars, and how it all affected it all this had a part this to region. Play. Yeah, um, and yeah. I think you know, but every documentary can only, unless you got a ten part series or something, yeah, right. <laughs> you have to pick yeah. your. You have Anytime to pick, HBO wants to call you, <laughs> right? You have to pick. Your, here's the number. You have to start somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I, I decided. To well, it's start, a great start. I started to start with yeah. this, this this section. I um, watched this masterpiece theater <laughs> series called Pole Dark, uh, and um, and from watching that series, and then I then I started listening to the book as Audible. I actually had a sort of view on the Napoleonic Wars that I'm not sure I ever had before. If I learned it in school, it would have been a paragraph. You know what I mean? But when you actually right. learn about it in this book, which was like stretched over like 30 years, 50 years, whatever, 30, 40 years, I mean, you ended up having the sense of how huge that was. You yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. and then, and so, and how much it actually still influenced the United States and the War of 1812 and these other things that, you know, impacted Florida, right. Louisiana, um, and all of them. Um, you you decided at that point, okay, I'm going to, at what point did you decide I'm going to take this and bring it to film? What was that compelling moment, I suppose? Or was it a, just a gradual kind of? I think it's, it's kind of a, well, I mean, part of being a filmmaker is sort of being alert for sort of a, mm. stories that um, you've, one that will engage you, engage you me, find curious me, that yep. I that I'm yep. curious, yep. and that I probably shared this idea with a few people to you know run it up the flagpole, see if it yep. resonated for them. Anybody, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Um, and I actually did um, do that first, you uh. know. And so, and I one person who I reached out to and um, see how she felt about it was um, Teresa Mossenberg, who was my co-producer. There you go. You know, on this project, and she's a right. journalist with. Um, WFSU or with yeah with the Florida Channel Uh, and so she uh, thought yes this is interesting and so um, so I think that's kind of how you do it you basically sort of see if you get some buy-in with some partners to see if they are 
also interested because you can't make a film by yourself. Yeah. Or I suppose you could, but you know, It'll take a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you, <laughs> you need, you know, you need people to agree to, right. um, that they see the value of it. And so, um, so she was one of the first people and then you have to reach out to the people you're going to interview. You know, do they, right. are they going to agree? Do they see the value? You know, so part of it is like creating a team um, to see, you know, uh, if you can make a team and then mm. maybe the team can work together to create something. So, I mean, so that's basically, you know, so not all projects um, that you want to work on or get going um, necessarily in, you know, are you able to form a team? Mm. She's a professor at Florida State University College of Motion Picture Arts, a filmmaker, a documentarian. Valerie Schoon is our guest. You stay with me. We've got more. Folks, there are four ways to shine in life, and Merry Maids has it all going on. Experience, reliability, thoroughness, and professionalism. Well, that's why we rely on Merry Maids right here at our studios, because, you know, I do need a little shine from time to time. And my friends at Merry Maids can make it happen with guaranteed satisfaction, screened and trained employees, bonded and insured performance, even a free consultation. Merry Maids can customize cleanings to fit most budgets and fit your busy schedule with cleanings on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, or an on-call basis. Merry Maids will deep clean your home on that first visit, something that you've probably been wanting to do, but you don't have to. Call Merry Maids. Relax, and it's clean. Right here in Tallahassee, call 386-2205 or find them online at merrymaids.com. That's 386-2205. Hi, I'm Josh, and this is an ad for Super Signs. We were going to do an ad that was funny or maybe really dramatic. You know, something clever, but that just didn't work. So... I'm just going to tell you, Super Signs is great. I mean, they're really great. And it's not just me saying it. Lots of people posting and talking to their friends. Here's one. We are so happy with all our signs and banners by Super Signs. Highly recommend. Here's another. These guys are awesome. They run their business with great quality and service. Our lighted sign looks fantastic. I can't rave enough. Super Signs does the really big stuff, like outdoor lighted signs, vehicle wraps, wall murals, and all the banners, the yard signs, and indoor signs, too. So for your business or your birthday party, Super Signs is your sign company. So that's it. That's our ad. Super Signs is great. I mean, really, really, really great. You should call them, 422-1883, or go to their website, yoursupersigns.com. How's that for clever? We're back. We're talking with Valerie Schoon, this film that has been around now for a little while. But a lot of us are just now beginning to discover invisible history, uh, thanks in part to the city of Tallahassee that took it upon themselves to show the film publicly a week ago Friday. It is a chronicling of, is that the right word? It is a chronology of or a story about uh, slavery uh, in the formation of North and what has been referred to as Middle Florida particularly Leon County. In my uh, recollection, um, I think it's the census of 1860 uh, that records 75% of the population. I think you said 9,000 people were enslaved 
Uh, so one in four, one person owned three others. Is that how that works? Um, on average. <laughs> so if that's the case, slavery was certainly central to the economy, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if, you know, uh, if those, if what you just said, I mean, certainly sometimes some one person owned many and yep. some people right. owned none. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't right. think it was like even. Yeah, the math isn't necessarily. It wasn't evenly distributed, you know, no, no. So, you know, so many people had no slaves. But at least a quarter of the population the, yes, the point is that the, there's, free. there's a percentage of the population yep. that um, was enslaved. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And in that capacity, when you th- when you came to that point where you had done this sort of, I guess you'd call it personal research and starting to pull together ideas and talking with various people, do you remember a point at which you said, let's do this? I don't think that movies work that way. You know what I mean? You know, I think that it's 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 really. I mean, the minute you the minute you start to re- reach for the first person to sort of um, to run up the flagpole, you are doing it. Uh, you know what I mean? You, uh, you are doing it. It's just whether you can take it all the way to the finish line. You know what I mean? Um, is is sort of the issue. You know. So I think that um, I think money has a little bit to do with it too. So I mean, I think I was trying. We you know had to apply for a grant. I mean, so part of it was, can I get a partner who's interested? Yes. Can we fill out a grant? Yes. Can we wait a year to see if we get the money? Yes. You know, and then when we got the money, then you're like, okay, I can do it. Because in the meantime, I had already talked to different people to sort of see if they would um, allow me to interview them. And and is that a creative process that you replicate? That's how it it goes pretty much? That's pretty much how it goes. And that's how it goes in Hollywood, too. I mean, you have an idea, um, but you still have to sort of sell it. Do you know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah. So um, that's why somebody will get up to get the Oscars and say, this took me 20 years to get it. I mean, because, because part of it and is... they have like, a lot of people to in, thank. In your mind, it was a go. But <laughs> right. if somebody, right. you know, but unless, you have, unless you're spending your own personal yep. funds, yep. you know, it may not really be a go until yeah. you get the funds. So in my mind, um, I, I was, uh, it was a go, provided I could, you know, get the people to work on it. Now that you know more about our history, has it changed you in some way when you look at Tallahassee today? Um, I don't know if it's changed. I mean, I think I, I think I, I feel in a maybe in a funny way like more of Tallahassee. You know, like maybe I felt like a transplant before, but now that I actually understand the history, I feel like oh, I'm less of a visitor. You know, I'm uh. more like I actually do know and I think that one of the um, things I notice is that of course many people know the history that's an invisible history and when I would talk to somebody who's generationally from here yeah. they understood it perfectly well you know what I mean um, and as you can see from some of the people who I interviewed in the documentary they are generationally from here Indeed. and so they're aware of this history it's just that it doesn't necessarily not something we're going to talk about on a daily basis so I didn't realize that we had different understandings of Tallahassee, <laughs> do what I mean, Indeed. until I realized how shallow my own information was. And so now that I know more, huh. you know, I feel like, hmm, I understand, um, I feel maybe a better sense of like, uh, understanding the history, I think, helps me feel, have a little bit more of a sense of belonging. Yeah, yeah. Um, Professionally, you've received a number of accolades, no, most notably uh, the Emmy Award from uh, Suncoast Regional. Um, among your colleagues, among others, 
has it generally been well received, do you think? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, my colleagues were, were, you know, partners with me on the documentary. I mean, I basically, you know, Mark Vargo mm-hmm. teaches the film schools, my cinematographer, we, you know, alums, um, uh, worked on it, <clears throat> you know, so other people in the film school certainly rallied around, mm. and I've had a lot of support from the dean of the film school, from College of Motion Picture Arts, from, you know, yeah. so I couldn't have done it without the support of my FSU film school. I've heard you family. say that uh, that this film particularly, and maybe it's true of, of all of your work, doesn't necessarily have uh, a point that that you're trying to make outside of the simply presenting the the facts as you know them right it's yeah. it's not trying to drive home no. some objective that's external i was really just trying to share my journey of what yeah. i came to understand from talking to these hmm. people and i and i feel like people can draw their own conclusions from what it, you know but mm-hmm. i also i think a goal of teresa and mine was to just sort of present something for which people could have conversation around do they mean mm-hmm. um, that that people that it would be such a thing that people could talk about what they saw? Do they mean um, yeah? And that um, yeah. So I mean, I think that that um, is not. It's not. And I didn't want it to. I wanted to be reflective of these historians and these other community members mm-hmm. and what they perceive about the history. Again, I think that yeah. one goal was certainly to say, oh, there were enslaved people here, right, right. and I want to talk about what right. that was because I that I. Because I was so ignorant about it, I wanted to make sure that I, I talked about that, you know. Mm. And then there's the question of why are we talking about this? And so, you know, part of that came from, you know, you know, um, you know, talking to people like Dr. Brickler, you know, filling in the history of his lived experience of Jim Crow. And I think, as you know, Dr. Brickler um, was is an obstetrician who's retired. Um, but I think he told me that he delivered 30,000 babies, 30,000. And, you know, that's hmm. a huge. Astounding. Right. It's just, it's like beyond like, comprehension. And his son in his footsteps is right in there, who has as well contributed to our welfare as a community by bringing this exhibit. Annually, he brings uh, the red tail yeah. uh, the exhibit. Yeah. 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 So, so I, for me, it was just, you know, an opportunity to hear his lived experience. Hmm. It happened that he was on the show talking about the Tuskegee Airmen and he teared up and he's, he's talking about hoping that he would give younger people an example of what they could do, that they can do more. Maybe there's more for us to learn as you have learned. I think that that would be a nice outcome. I mean, for whatever, wherever yeah. people live, you know what I mean? I think it's something that, you know, pe- wherever that might be. Right. You know, looking at the history and even beyond, as I said, of course, this history did not start in 1821. You know, so right. looking, you know, even earlier Further, into yeah. um, into what was going on with um, hmm. Native Americans and Seminoles or where whatever region you you're from, you know, I don't know where it would be. Yeah. yeah. Oregon or what right, have you. Right. But I think that the idea of, of truly um, understanding uh, how how your community came to be you know, um, is uh, a value for people to sort of discuss. Because I think that the, however your community came to be, you know, whether you look at it or not, you're not, it, the influences are still there. Hmm. So. Folks, we're talking with filmmaker Valerie Schoon, and you are in touch with Tallahassee Talks. Stay with me. 
1945, Jack Whitten started a glass company in Tallahassee. Now over 75 years and three generations later, it's still working every day, doing just as Jack wanted, giving his customers real solutions for replacing window glass, providing custom cut mirrors, and supplying superior bath and shower enclosures. Local building contractors know Whitten Glass takes care of Tallahassee business. They prefer Whitten because of their precision and mastery of eye-catching storefront glass and countertop glass. It's a fact. When you choose Wooden Glass, you're working with real glass people who will take care of you to your complete satisfaction. It's what Jack Wooden wanted, and it's been the Wooden way of doing business for over 75 years. Wooden Glass, Tallahassee's first family in glass since 1945. Call Wooden Glass today or visit them online at 850-222-5781 or wittenglass.com. Folks, there are four ways to shine in life and Merry Maids has it all going on. Experience, reliability, thoroughness, and professionalism. Well, that's why we rely on Merry Maids right here at our studios because, you know, I do need a little shine from time to time. And my friends at Merry Maids can make it happen with guaranteed satisfaction, screened and trained employees, bonded and insured performance, even a free consultation. Merry Maids can customize cleanings to fit most budgets and fit your busy schedule with cleanings on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, or an on-call basis. Merry Maids will deep clean your home on that first visit, something that you've probably been wanting to do, but you don't have to. Call Merry Maids. Relax, and it's clean. Right here in Tallahassee, call 386-2205 or find them online at merrymaids.com. That's 386-2205. Now we're really talking. Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny. And I'm wondering now if in this time, uh, especially the last 18 years that you've been here, first impressions, you said, well, I'm, I'm better aware of and feeling more like I belong here now. Um, do you see a, a, a transition? Is there a, a, a contrast, I suppose, between where, where you were 18 years ago, first arrived in Tallahassee, and and where you are now how do you see us do you see us any differently i suppose that's a good question i don't know if i see i mean i don't have that you know perspective of dr brickler who was here in the you know jim crow era um and is, you know and and lived through all of that jack hadley does well, yes <laughs> we're going to yes, talk about yes, jack hadley yes and i think that um you know so for me um i that's a good question. I'm not, I don't, I don't know if I, I think I, I feel like I've been more focused. I don't know if I see Tallahassee as changing a huge amount in the last 18 years, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But nor have I been really focused on it as such, you know what I mean? And so I think that I may have been more focused on a national level. Than well, and you've been, you've been level. a part of several projects, Oprah Winfrey's work. I'm thinking of the great debaters, you know, and, um, uh, all of that that you've been involved in in various capacities and it seems to me that uh maybe when you get back home so to speak and you're looking around in Tallahassee uh things haven't changed that much huh well i think i actually now that i'm thinking about it i don't think i had an impression that you did of it being like a dusty place at all hmm. do you know what i mean i Tallahassee you know i don't know if i would have been happily living here for 18 years if that was the case uh 
you know, I think I settled into Florida State University, which is a university. You know what I mean? And then there's FAMU, and we go to the games. I've never been to an HBCU game, uh-huh. football game in my life. I teared up. It was amazing. You know, I went to FSU football game. So I was kind of introduced to things that I'd never experienced. You know what I mean? Uh, growing up in D.C., it just yeah. hadn't happened. Yeah. And, um, and then we have TCC. So I actually find it to be, you know, um, I found it to be, you know, a stimulating environment to be in. You know what yeah. I mean? And I found, like, I made friends with my son's, you know, people at my son's school. So, I mean, I, I didn't have a sense of it being like some dusty old town. But I think it depends on where you're landing. And I think if you land at a university and if you land at a film school, yeah. you know, which is a lot of the people at the film school aren't, you know, are coming, are living here, have chosen to live here and are coming from other places, right. you know, but. In fact, uh, the film does a great job of helping us better appreciate Tallahassee inside of this very, you know, vast empire of slavery. And so the notion that the South was going to have to surrender all that, give all that up economically just seemed completely infeasible. So in addition, you have this other film, Daring Women Doctors, Physicians in the 19th Century. Tell us about that. Sure. Well, I first um, learned about a woman named Eliza Greer, who was a medical doctor, an African-American woman, when I was visiting um, Jack Hadley's African-American Museum in Thomasville. Yeah. And I saw on the wall there that a picture of her, and it said that she had um, had to go to medical school one year and then pick cotton one year <laughs> and medical school one year. And so, like, it took her eight years to finish medical school. And so the movie part of me, which is most of me, I suppose, you know, thought, hey, that's a story. You know, that's a movie, uh, you know, all by itself, you know. Um, and so as I started to sort of research or think about it, I um, – I thought, but wait, why'd you go to medical school anyway? This yeah. is the 1800s. <laughs> and that's when I came to sort of under, my research led me to the Women's Medical College of Pennsylvania, uh. which is a medical school that was started for women in 1850. So, um, you know, long, long before women had the right to vote. And um, and certainly even before the Civil War, you know. And yeah. so um, so she had been born enslaved, this, uh, this Eliza Greer. So I thought, what a journey. Um, but I became interested in the whole school itself, which was basically kind of came out of, of Quakers, mm. you know, deciding that, yeah, women should be able to be doctors. And, you know, sort of the controversy that surrounded it and its sort of intersection with women's rights and mm. abolitionists. So that whole so instead of it just being about Eliza Greer, it became about the women in general. Um, Indeed. And so I thought uh, I found it really you know, an interesting journey. I find it compelling because it challenges the notion that people of a given gender or, or race or class don't have the intellectual capacity, you know, and so it's that notion that, and we see that in the great debaters, right, that, you know, what are we talking about here? A bunch of kids, they don't, they don't have that ability. Well, yes, they do, in fact. So for me, that's a, that is a liberating and a challenging statement to every person no matter what I think of where I am in life. You said earlier, if I don't get a whole lot of warm and fuzzy with an idea, that doesn't stop me. I keep going with that idea as long as I believe in it. Mm -hmm. I think that in and of itself is part of the message here. Right. You may want to have more than one, though. (laughs) (laughs) If you have more than one idea, then if, 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 if if, 
one is barking. If one isn't, if one isn't sparking, and you have one over here that is barking and makes you feel better, you can come, you can circle back around to the other one. Uh, but I think that the, um, but I did, I did feel very much inspired by these women, you know, who, you know, people at that point, I think they saw women as almost like children, um, you know, mm, with no actual legal, indeed. no, no legal rights at all. Indeed. You know I mean, yeah. And uh, and I thought that who were these intrepid women who thought yes. I can be a doctor and I can prescribe medicine and I can One do all these ask. things when really yes. women were considered to be, uh, I mean, certainly there's always women who've had to work, you know, just to, sure. just to you know. Um, In some capacity. Yes, women who, who don't have money, than, you know, or, anything else. or black women yeah. and, you know, women who are immigrants or just of a, of a um, uh. lower economic scale have had to work hard. But there were certain, but the goal was... For many, for some people, and for society, and for people who could afford it, for women not to work and so mm -hmm. to be in the home. Mm -hmm. So the idea, and that's fine too. You know, that's fine. That's great to be in the home. But I think that you want to have choices, and well, so that, that these the women issue. doctors yeah. were like, "I want the choice." Do we have choices? Do you yeah. mention Jack Hadley? T speaking of intrepid, there's a guy who persevered, uh, served a wonderful career in the Air Force, and then gets back home. And begins to take these bits of his collection and putting them together, and decides to form this remarkable museum. And what happens? You show up and are touched by this photograph that then inspires the film. Now I'm, you know, condensing that, but essentially that's sort of the the path. So that brings me back to say when you are possessed with an idea don't give up on that right that's right because you I don't mean, know who you may touch exactly and you know really my goal is to turn that into like a a narrative series like a limited ah. series on you know like 10 parts whatever so when i say narrative like a sort of a little bit fictionalized you know series one day so far no one's given me the money for that ah, but i haven't given up people. i haven't ah, gi <laughs> don't give up <laughs> i haven't given up <laughs> Her name is Valerie Schoon. She is an award-winning documentarian filmmaker with Florida State University College of Motion Picture Arts and our guest today. Thank you, Ms. Schoon. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. So there you have a conversation with Valerie Schoon from some time ago, but we wanted to bring that into today's conversation in context with Jack Hadley. We are the production of Spatterwork Media and Entertainment coming to you from the studios of Moose Magnificat Radio, streaming live all the time, featuring local musicians playing their original songs. It's called The Sound of Tallahassee. You'll find them at moosemagnificat.com. Carl Cerny is our executive producer, and I will be looking for you again next week. So come on, Tallahassee. Come talk to me. Hi, I'm Josh, and this is an ad for Super Signs. We were going to do an ad that was funny or maybe really dramatic. You know, something clever, but that just didn't work. So I'm just going to tell you, Super Signs is great. I mean, they're really great. And it's not just me saying it. Lots of people posting and talking to their friends. Here's one. We are so happy with all our signs and banners by Super Signs. Highly recommend. Here's another. These guys are awesome. They run their business with great quality and service. Our lighted sign looks fantastic. I can't rave enough. Super Signs does the really big stuff, like outdoor lighted signs, vehicle wraps, wall murals, and all the banners, the yard signs, and indoor signs, too. So for your business or your birthday party, Super Signs is your sign company. So that's it. That's our ad. 
Super Signs is great. I mean, really, really, really great. You should call them, 422-1883, or go to their website, yoursupersigns.com. How's that for clever? In 1945, Jack Whitten started a glass company in Tallahassee. Now over 75 years and three generations later, it's still working every day, doing just as Jack wanted, giving his customers real solutions for replacing window glass, providing custom-cut mirrors, and supplying superior bath and shower enclosures. Local building contractors know Whitten Glass takes care of Tallahassee business. They prefer Whitten because of their precision and mastery of eye-catching storefront glass and countertop glass. It's a fact. When you choose Whitten Glass, you're working with real glass people who will take care of you to your complete satisfaction. It's what Jack Whitten wanted, and it's been the Whitten way of doing business for over 75 years. Whitten Glass, Tallahassee's first family in glass since 1945. Call Whitten Glass today or visit them online, 850-222-5781 or WhittenGlass.com. <laughs> 